0: All right, welcome back everybody. This is the Faultline Podcast. My name is Alex Davis, I'm the host. Joining me as usual, Editor Tommy Flanagan. Hello. And my esteemed colleague, Rafi Cohen. Hi. So, sad we told me IBC, but there's a separate video about that. Um Yeah, how are you feeling? Yeah, we see this deflated? is what
1: happens, boys, when you uh leave me to fend for myself, I create my own spin-off TV show. <laughs> But yeah, a, a very slow week um, news-wise, being Thanksgiving, as well as everyone holding back their big announcements for IBC, uh, which now, as we know, is not going to happen. But um, one of the one of the funny things I wanted to mention about um, the IBC cancellation, silver linings, and all that, is that the um, the CEO of um, IABM, which basically runs and owns IBC, is called uh, Peter White who just so happens to be the name of our CEO as well. And they have been confused in the past. People have thought that my boss is uh, the owner of IBC, which might as well be. So yeah, if you've uh, got any uh, hate mail, then please direct it to peter at rethinkresearch.biz about IBC. <laughs> 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 but um, no, looking at the issue, um, we had a real cloud flavor this week um, with the AWS a and E symposium. They they do some great stuff, um, and so we got some great insights there from Sky and A um, and E networks and Discovery as well, and some real great lessons for vendors in there as well. But two of my favourite stories to write this week um, were the first was a an un, highly unflattering uh, but quite funny uh, write up of John Malone's recent interview on. CNBC. I don't know if anyone's seen it, but most of the coverage seemed to relate to his comments on the cable market and fiber and Doxys and that kind of thing, which is a market much closer to time that he's been extremely successful in. Um, otherwise, he wouldn't be known as the cable cowboy and he wouldn't be a billionaire. But that was the second half of the interview. The first half of the interview, no one seemed to focus on, which was about him just rambling and bumbling his way through uh, a conversation about the direct-to-consumer streaming market because, of course, he's about to be, if it passes um, regulators, be he's going to be on the board of um, the merged uh, Warner Discovery outfit and he's going to be one of the most influential um guys in in video streaming and it was just excruciating to watch he just he didn't do any homework he didn't have a clue what he was talking about he was waxing lyrical about how his cable legacy has taught him all these important lessons to deal with churn and bundling and pricing and claiming that the DTC companies uh, streaming companies today haven't learned any of these lessons because they haven't been around long enough but I kind of argued that I think they've had to adapt faster than the cable companies have and um um, but he did make a couple of good points, admittedly. One being that um, uh, Disney's got to um, kind of choose between re- whether to be profitable or whether to be massively scalable. Um, because as we know at the moment, it's ARPUs uh, tanking. It's spending obscene amounts of money. But um, actually, I said I wasn't going to talk much about IBC, but I've actually referenced IBC 2019 in this, um, in this uh, write-up because his his... View his um, rant was so uh, U.S. centric uh, about the DTC streaming space that it reminded me of a press conference at IBC 2019, and it was with a um, it was when a, a a European video technology company I won't name names because that'd be unfair, but there was an American journalist at the front who asked the CEO a question along the lines of, um, "Oh, so." how are you going to react to Disney Plus and HBO Max centering the market soon? Uh, because there's going to be like five or six uh, S-Pod services on the market now. And, uh, and the CEO said something like, he just completely shut him down and said, well, what do you mean? There's hundreds of streaming services all around the world. And that was that. You next question, please. And that just kind of transported me back to this, this US-centric mindset that people need to get out of. And that was just John Malone in a nutshell. I mean, he's a billionaire, all right, we'll give him that. But um, clearly doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, In the streaming space, the second um, story I really enjoyed writing about this week uh, for all the wrong reasons is uh, the Nested Initiative, which you might have seen, which uh, is supposed to be an acronym for New Video Standards for Enhanced Delivery. Uh, This is a French collaborative between ATEM Uh, for compression technology and just-in-time packager. We've got VXS Orca with its secure player and QOE analytics. We've got a VVC decoder from a French research institute called IETR. And we've also got some carrier grade LTE broadcast components from Anensis Technologies. And we've got Orange, the uh, French telco behemoth as the driving force behind all of that and the idea is to test the efficiency of video delivery over 5G networks in France to reduce broadcasting infrastructure costs and um, create a greener way of delivering video. This is a two-year project um, but my god it was the most directionless, um, aimless, fluffy press release I've seen for a long time and they didn't have they clear they didn't outline any goals. I don't know if they've got any goals. I, d- I don't think they uh, the, the companies involved even know what the the end goal is supposed to be, which is why they didn't give us an end goal. Um, so I think it's just one of those that's going to be the technologies individually sound great. I mean, we know all about um, the credibilities of TEM and VO and um, and Anensis, which is the, the really important factor here because that's much more in the mobile um, technology. 5G side and of course uh, um, we know all about VBC but together they have no idea what they're supposed to produce or how it's going to work and and so yeah by not explaining it they're covering their own backs when ultimately uh, it, you forget about it in, in a few days time so that's why I uh, ripped it to shreds quite frankly um, so yeah alright I think that's the end of my uh, double rant well triple rant if we're including uh, uh, IBC so um, cheers Good
0: stuff. Yeah. Um, if you thought too many cooks would spoil the broth, just wait till it turns out that there's a you know, different versions of nested for each different operator in each different country. That'll be very fun. Uh, i'm sure we'll look forward to it um no i I need to give the john malone thing a read but i mean we podcast right off uh line being published so a little behind the scenes rafi and i haven't read it yet so uh, (laughs) we get to dive into that later but thank you very much tommy Um, but one thing you have read one one thing you have read rafi is your piece this week uh so this is wi-fi vendors undeterred by six E's slow awakening could you tell us more please
2: very optimistic for you to think i've read it. So yeah uh recently rethink tv um has been looking at wi-fi trying to predict the rollout of wi-fi six um whether or not it will kind of follow the similar timeline and pattern that we saw with wi-fi five um and after speaking to a lot of people have kind of been pulled in both directions off the fence you know some people are saying it's going to be quicker some people are going to be saying much slower um kind of the key argument for being quicker is just the advantage of having the six gigahertz band, you know, when it's opened up with Wi-Fi 6E. Obviously, the frees up capacity for gigabit broadband and Ultra HD streaming um, and other mission-critical applications. But um, then you have lots of people that are saying, you know, there's the chip shortage. Um, I've also heard some weird rumors about OEMs potentially holding off all their silicon upgrades for Wi-Fi 7, although this kind of just sounds like hearsay. Um, but really, the most important argument against is that there's still not regulatory approval for unlicensed use of the six gigahertz band in a lot of countries. I think it's only only 41 countries so far, and there are a lot of um, major players still missing from that list. Um, and then there were just a lot of different bits of news this week that were kind of showing that while while vendors were, while vendors are still bringing out all these products, you know, there's still a, quite a bit of a struggle to actually get six uh, the six gigahertz band in place. Um, so we start off with the CEPT, which stands for the Conference of European Postal and Telecommunications Administrations, which is a bit of a kind of boneless consortium, but nonetheless, they're still, they've are still they now opened uh, a work item to study expansion of the six gigahertz band in Europe. Currently, only the bottom half is available. Um, and even though it has no political power, this kind of shows that, you know, within the telecoms industry in um, Europe, people are still fairly frustrated. Um, slightly more conclusive, we have some news from the uh, Wireless Broadband Alliance, They've been recruited to assist the Telecom Infra Project's Open Automated Frequency Coordination Group. And this is aiming to make an open source reference implementation for automated frequency coordination. Uh, Essentially, this allows unlicensed devices in 6 gigahertz to operate under increased range while protecting microwave links from interference. Um, And TIP is aiming for the implementation to be ready for Wi-Fi 7, which, although that kind of sounds like they may not be in a rush, uh, it's important to remember Wi-Fi 7's only around the corner. Uh, We're expecting the first drafts in, I think, spring or uh, summer of uh, 2022. So it's really not that far away. And so even though we've still got a slow start, um, with you know the regulatory situation around spectrum and six gigahertz Um there were a few bits of news this week that showed vendors are still powering through and the first one was a new name that i hadn't heard of before called Acoustis which is a new york-based um, manufacturer and it's announced that it's now got a fourth major customer for its patented um, XBAW acoustic wave RF filters um, so this is now the fourth internet provider that they've managed to sell these to. Um, they can operate in 5.5 and 6.5 gigahertz um, and will be part of carrier installed CPE. So clearly the demand is still there, although we imagine uh, Singers Acoustics is based in New York, not the cheapest place to get things manufactured. Most of these customers are probably in the US as well, where 6 gigahertz is already completely opened up. Um, But yeah, they say demand for 6C is ballooning and they're hoping to up their annual production capacity to 500 million filters by the end of the year as a result of that. Um, Whereas in Europe, where, as I said, uh, 6 gigahertz is a lot more limited, you've got uh, vendors still plodding along with plain old Wi-Fi 6. Uh, Technicolor said they signed a new contract with Vodafone deploying DOCSIS 3.1 Wi-Fi. They they deployed the Wi-Fi 5 gateways in 2019 and now they're moving on to DOCSIS 3.1 Wi-Fi 6.0. Gateways. Uh, Technicolor's Giovanni Tomino said the pandemic has accelerated consumer demand for higher bandwidth, but obviously these kind of upgrades are easier in a higher market like Germany. Um, and yeah, overall, Vodafone Germany has over 10 uh, million broadband homes, so that's the potential footprint for Technicolor to install Wi-Fi 6 gateways over there. But it's important to remember that despite all this talk of, you know, uh preparations or rollouts being done with infrastructure or CPE, they can only really do so much what it all really comes down to is consumer demand. And the reality is, you know, most consumers don't know what Wi Fi six E is and they're only gonna start demanding it once they know that they own a device that, you know, can use it and you know, one of the biggest, I guess, um, yardsticks that you can measure demand is like you know whether or not it's on the iphone and already people are rumoring that uh wi-fi 6e is going to be on the iphone 14 which much like ibc is due in september 2022 um but we'll have to wait and see uh but yeah if that happens uh, it will definitely give i don't know give a lot of things you know a kick to hurry up
1: which one's more certain do you reckon oh,
2: don't do this <laughs> what the iphone having 6e uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I'd probably say that to be honest. <laughs> Shit. Oh. <laughs> fingers
0: crossed fingers crossed chaps thank you very much Rafi. um we'll dive into the, the last bit of long form news and uh i think we've mentioned this before but i really want to buy a uaz 452 and to that end i'm learning russian so now russia is on my beat and uh this week it was that's a vehicle by the way listeners it's yes not
1: a gun and it sounds like one no
0: no it, it's a very cute soviet camper van And if anyone in the Eastern Bloc um, knows anyone who's selling one, I'm extremely interested. Uh, I'll give you a finder's fee. But anyway, right. Uh, So I get a Google alert, and it sounds a bit mad, and it leads me down a rabbit hole. But uh, Russia's operators win smart TVs pre-installed app monopoly complaint. So the gist of this is that there is a list of pre-approved and uh, sort of um, state-supported software, I guess, that has to be installed on devices that are sold inside Russia. And it was a weird sort of requirement. I hadn't really come across this uh, idea before because back in the day, it was normally the carriers that would sort of... uh, Mandate what was on your your phone when it arrived, and and to be honest, it was it was a bit of a lottery uh, when it came to what apps were going to be on your on your TVs, and um, I think we all remember you know bloatware on laptops and and the operator set tops uh, having little turf wars about which apps would be bundled. So um, the Russian approach of having you know, a sort of pre-approved list of stuff that will be on these devices um, was quite interesting. So the gist of this complaint, when you sort of uh, dig down a little bit, is that only one operator has its over-the-top app on this list. And there's four or five operators that have OTT services that are are not on this list. And then worse, there's a bunch of non-operator video services um, cluttering up this list. So, of course, the operators that are not on the list are very upset about this. So they've all um, got together and complained that Ros Telecom's wink uh, is is getting an unfair leg up. And in the context of um, Russia, which is a massive country, 11 time zones, 140-something million uh people it has a weirdly small um video market here. and i mean that's not all that unsurprising given the, the the history there but some of the sort of largest um S-wob services only have sort of 2 or 3 million uh, users and Wink is around 3 million uh, customers now. And Ros Telecom is using it to sort of migrate people away from its IPTV system, uh, which is called an interactive TV. So they they want to get people over into Wink. Uh, and of course, that lets them uh, sort of upsell uh, and, and whatnot. So the the federal anti-monopoly service um, was sort of prompted into action. Um, and it's now uh, sort of demanded that there's uh, an investigation um, and I think this is where things could get a bit messy uh, because Ros Telecom is about 48% owned by the state, it might be 45. And then you're going to have two ministries um, having a go at each other about its uh, treatment. And Russia is a little infamous for uh, backroom dealings. Um, so you then also have to wonder well, which of these operators has the most friends in high places? Um, which of them are sort of currently in favour? And and you sort of go digging, and then you find out that one of the largest broadband firms, uh, broadband operators in the country, uh, is actually a rail operator. And you just sort of wonder, like, how how that came to pass, and what what series of weird events uh, led to uh, TTK um, getting into the sort of broadband game. Um, But the the point here, though, um, is that on on the face of it, it kind of sounds like a good idea um, that you would want to... Um, sort of specify uh, what consumers would expect there to be on the devices at the start of it and that way you can kind of assuage a bunch of these um, anti-consumer fears and and speculations but um, a Russian outlet went digging um, to see how uh, Russian consumers use these um, sort of uh, legally required uh, services. And, and the the answer is that most of them don't use them. Um, they ignore the prompts when, when they first fire up an iPhone. Most of them don't know that there's a folder in the Samsung uh, Android experience that has all of these apps inside it. Um, so then you, you do kind of wonder, well, are, are the Russian operators getting their uh, knickers in a twist? Uh, they're making a, a storm in a teacup because it turns out that Russian consumers don't really uh, use this. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a strange um, sort of... Scenario, a strange kind of environment. But Ros Telecom is the incumbent, you know, ISP, and it does seem to have had a leg up. And and it says, well, you know, we spend a lot of time marketing, and our service is very popular, and therefore it's entirely fair um, that, that that we're included. Uh, but you, you just get the the feeling that uh, there's a significant Ros Telecom uh, shareholder involved somewhere in the the sort of the approval uh, process for that list. Um so yeah, I'm I'm still keeping an eye on it. It's a bit strange. I'm I'm gonna look around and see if there's any more. I couldn't find any uh, other similar uh, sort of laws on the books. Uh so if any listeners know uh, of any, please please tell me. And um yeah, we'll we'll sort of leave the long form stuff there, I think. And we'll move into worth noting of course. And as is tradition, Rafi, five years ago, what was happening?
2: Uh there were some rumors in orbit that UtilSAT was tipped to be acquiring SES. Um Although, you know, Fortline was pretty cynical that this was going to happen, uh, the suggestion was not entirely ludicrous uh, because both were kind of experiencing declining bid-year revenues. And as a combined entity, you know, they might be able to claw back with over uh, 13,000 channels between them. But there were a few glaring issues. Um, First, there was that the market cap for SES was over double that of French-owned Utilsat, um, and Utilsat was the one that was meant to be acquiring SES. uh, so yeah, uh, SES was at 9.6 billion, Utilsat was at 4 billion and Utilsat was also harboring considerably more debt. But the biggest reason of all was that Luxembourg's deputy PM had openly opposed the merger uh, and the Luxembourg government held a 16% share in SES. Uh, needless to say, uh, we were right to be sceptical, didn't go anywhere.
1: I might be chatting to Intelsat next week actually. So, um, so yeah, we'll have some hopefully some more satellite goss yeah we've already slagged our orange off a, a little bit so we should uh rub some salt in the wombs uh probably the CEO um oh my God, what's his name Stefan I think Stefan Richard um yeah Stefan Richard is resigning uh very soon because he's just been convicted um, when he was working for the French government of uh, misuse of public funds he's been a very naughty boy and he's got a one year suspended uh prison sentence um so yeah orange on the market for a new ceo
0: nice yeah that's a a fairly big fall from grace um so my my final thing i'm going to don my tinfoil hat um it is thanksgiving which means that america is going to be subjected to the chicago bears playing the detroit lions um at this point I think it's worth um, looking back a couple of weeks to the the Pittsburgh Steelers-Bears game in which the Bears were completely robbed and just pointing out that um, the the rules changed in the US so that uh, now you can have um, sort of league-affiliated sports betting, um, which brings into the whole, you know, fixing and and game-throwing conspiracy theories, which I think think, uh, I'm a big fan of. But um, anyway, the the point here, ESPN um, is going to be like a branding shield because Disney is going to get into sports betting, but it doesn't want to sort of risk the Disney brand. So ESPN is going to be this little barrier between it and the house of mouse. Uh, and it's worth pointing out, Disney does already own a slice of DraftKings, um, which is one of the biggest sort of, of these new uh, wave of app based betting services. Um, so yeah, uh, I expect to see uh, some horrible headlines in the future regarding that, I'd hope. Um, but yeah. Back. We could do
1: a whole episode on what major companies have got dodgy investments in, in shady businesses. Like AT and T is one of them. A whole dedicated episode of that one day.
0: Yeah, I can't wait to to work out what dumbass crypto investments have also been made. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hundreds of millions have been yeah, pissed up the wall? Um, yes. But yes, right, chaps. Thank you very much. We've we've completed Follow nine one six. Um, Tommy, thank you. you have already hinted. For next week, um,
1: have I mentioned that IBC has been cancelled? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're still
0: very sad about well, it.
1: Well, uh, <laughs> um, I am trying hard to convert as many of the actual physical meetings, which obviously there were there were a lot, which uh, that hadn't been cancelled, which meant a lot of people, a lot of companies were still planning to go. So I'm I'm trying hard to convert as many of them as possible into phone calls, video calls and get as many interviews um, into Faultline next week and the week after and um, yeah so so yeah hopefully we'll have some kind of bumper issue issues um, coming up for you yeah. We'll have more original copy than anyone else we can guarantee you that as I said in the uh, in the in the video rant so look forward
0: to it. Hey, excellent stuff, so Dear listener, please head to rethinkresearch.biz. You can find a four-week free trial to fall there. You can also check out Rethink TV's executive summaries. Uh, find us on social media or on Twitter. There is there are LinkedIn pages if you're into that. Uh, we don't judge. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, get in touch, please, if you've got some juicy goss, especially if it's IBC related. And don't forget the YouTube channel. Oh yeah, yeah, YouTube. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're YouTube. I think technically Tom is a YouTuber because Raffi and I aren't on it yet. Um, But yeah, uh, sweet. Right, thank you very much gents, Uh, we'll see you next week and that's bye bye from me Cheers all See ya